Welcome to Beneath the Rim, covering everything that's happening in and around the NBA. You're about to hear one of our layup episodes. Quick hits of information to keep you up to date on what's happening, but short enough to squeeze in during your morning drive. Check back on Sundays for the full court episode, where host Kevin Kloss chats with the brightest minds covering the league. Now time for the show. Welcome to Beneath the Rim, your weekly dose of NBA news and information. I'm your host, Kevin Kloss, and we're happy to be a part of the Roto Heat podcast family. To find more coverage on sports and fantasy sports, visit rotoheat.com. Now, today's quick-hitting episode was originally planned to be a time where we would take a look back at what happened in Summer League over the weekend. But then there was a big trade, a big signing, and another big potential trade that needs our attention first. So we'll start with Kawhi Leonard. When I went to bed, I didn't know where Kawhi Leonard was going. We kind of thought it was down to Toronto or the LA Lakers, with the Lakers being the front runner at that point. But holy mother of love, when I wake up, Kawhi Leonard signs with the LA Clippers. Okay, cool. Cool. Four years, $142 million. Lakers insiders, Laker fans, beat reporters around the league, they all seemed surprised, shocked even. Sounded like Kawhi's camp fed a lot of either misinformation or just information that wasn't entirely accurate. And maybe the intentions were to stall a little bit, if you will. Because up until that point, it looked like Toronto or the Lakers were really the only two options. Now, we have to talk about the second part of this before we can analyze what we think about Kawhi going to L.A., and that's that the stall tactic was apparently to work out a trade because Paul George was also going to the Clippers. So Oklahoma City gets Shea Gildress-Alexander, Gallinari, and five first-round picks. That's unprotected first in 22. That's unprotected first-round picks in 2022, 24, and 26 from the Clippers. And that's Miami's unprotected first in 2021. And a 2023 first-round pick that's top 14 protected. Now, there's also pick swaps in 2023 and 2025 worked into this deal. So a massive haul, the largest draft pick compensation we've ever seen in a trade. And that lands Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the L.A. Clippers. I understand for virtually my entire life, and probably fair to say the entire existence of the NBA, L.A. has been a Lakers town. And maybe it still is. But the fact that we're even having to caveat with that with maybe it still is should tell us what a massive move this is. Paul George is an elite perimeter defender. He was a borderline MVP candidate last year before getting injured. And he's teaming up with another elite perimeter defender in Kawhi Leonard, who just took Toronto and took them from a first-round exit to NBA champions. Kawhi Leonard, basically a perennial MVP candidate. So you have two MVP candidates joining the Clippers. They still have Patrick Beverly, who's going to be starting. Zubak, who's going to be starting. I guess Landry Shamit's probably the other starter. And they still have Lou Williams coming off the bench. So while the Clippers gave up a ton to bring in Paul George and team him with Kawhi Leonard, they still have some players there 
who can form a decent team for the Clippers. Now, this all makes sense in retrospect. Everybody was wondering, where is Kawhi? What is Kawhi doing? Why hasn't he announced it? We heard maybe it's a money thing, maybe it's a length of the contract thing. Turns out it was Oklahoma City trying to get a deal together. And what we heard was Kawhi was going to go to the Lakers if Paul George didn't end up going to the Clippers. So Laker fans, if you were confident he was going there, Laker fans, your trust was not misplaced. Kawhi Leonard was going to the Lakers if the Clippers didn't send a massive offer to Oklahoma City and really start what we think now could be a rebuild in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City now entering that mode. Reports are Russell Westbrook, Sam Presti, and Russell's agent that they're set to meet and discuss his future in the coming days. We've already heard some reports that both Miami and Detroit are interested in Westbrook But not just those two teams. The Houston Rockets are reportedly poised to make an offer. So let's pump the brakes and just talk about Russell Westbrook and these trade prospects for a a quick minute. As we just discussed, Miami is giving up first-round picks in 2021 and 2023. That would seem to indicate Miami can't trade a 2021st or a 2022 first. So that's going to limit what the Heat can do there. They can offer some young pieces, but if you're Miami at a certain point, are you going to be selling out most of your team to run things back with Jimmy Butler, Russell Westbrook, and Bam? And that's assuming Bam doesn't have to be part of that deal to bring in Russell Westbrook. I don't know that Miami's got the pieces to get this done. And then when we look at Detroit, I look at Detroit and I say, if you don't want to put Blake Griffin in that deal, if you don't want to put DeAndre Drummond in that deal, do you have enough, A, big enough contracts to match salaries, B, draft pick compensation to fuel the rebuild in Oklahoma City, and C, young assets that won't push them into playoff contention, but are young enough with enough promise that they will fit into a rebuild in Oklahoma City? I honestly don't see it in either of those teams, but those are the two teams that are being mentioned in the reports. And for Houston, reportedly in Houston, they want to keep Chris Paul and James Harden. So Chris Paul, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. The things I'm hearing involve Clint Capella and, quote, historic amount of draft pick compensation. We just saw historic amounts of draft pick compensation for Paul George in five firsts. Maybe Daryl Morey is ready to just empty the vault and go six first round picks. It wouldn't be completely out of character for Houston to make that kind of a move. And if we still believe that the Western Conference is more open than it's been in years, maybe this is the year Daryl Morey goes all in. I tend to think an offense with Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden on the floor at the same time cannot work. All three of those guys are ball-dominant guards. We've seen that Chris Paul has had to become less of a ball-dominant guard, and that has resulted in, to say the least, some friction between him and James Harden. If Russell Westbrook, Mr. Triple-Double himself, is then asked to also play more off-ball and not control the ball and the pace of the game, I don't see that being a happy marriage. I have no clue where Russell Westbrook goes. And to be fair, it's very possible he doesn't end up going anywhere. This meeting that's taking place with Presti, Russell, and his agent 
is not where do you want to be traded. It's, quote, to discuss his future with the team. It's entirely possible his future with the team is with the team. But that's something that we're just going to have to wait for some more reports on before we want to speculate in terms of what that could look like. I do want to bring up the Lakers, which is hard for me to say because I'm not really a Laker guy. If you're a Lakers fan, I don't think you should be overly disappointed about missing out on Kawhi Leonard. Yes, it would have been amazing to have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard all in the same starting five at Staples Center in Los Angeles, California. That would have been amazing. But the kind of team that the Lakers are starting to build, and I think they will have the opportunity to continue to build with that money, is a better team when you're looking to the ultimate goal of winning a championship. They were able to use that Kawhi Leonard money. They lock up Quinn Cook. We believe he was going there anyway, but they're able to make sure that's a, that was a done deal for them. Rajon Rondo comes back as well. That's two legitimate point guards on a team that was really going to struggle to field a starting five, let alone any kind of bench. They're able to bring in Danny Green, who leaves Toronto following in the footsteps of Kawhi Leonard. Difference, Danny Green goes to the Lakers. That gives them some great shooting, along with Jared Dudley. They're also able to get on a very low contract DeMarcus Cousins, who I know a lot of people are out on DeMarcus Cousins, and maybe justifiably so. But I think we saw in the finals, in that game two, where the Raptors had a shot to go up two games to none, taking two from the Warriors in their own building. And DeMarcus Cousins was the biggest reason that didn't happen. And that was a DeMarcus Cousins who was not healthy. At no point during the past season did we see a healthy DeMarcus Cousins. If we can see that in LA with the Lakers and Anthony Davis and LeBron James, to me, the Lakers are in a phenomenal position in terms of star-studded talent at the top, depth, starting five, and just a team where you're going to have to dip into that bench. There's going to come a time when you're going to have to go to the bench. And that's a really big deal for the Lakers. We saw with Toronto, when they made their big run, they had to turn to the bench. There needs to be a Fred Van Fleet on this Lakers team. Someone who the Lakers can turn to, have him come in off the bench, give you seven to ten really strong minutes a night, and spell some of that time when LeBron James is in foul trouble, Anthony Davis is getting a rest on the bench. You need those depth pieces, and I think not getting Kawhi Leonard has let the Lakers do that, so you may be disappointed you don't have the mega team you thought you were going to get in the Lakers, but I think you have a better overall team, and a team that's better positioned to make a run at an NBA championship this year. Now I do want to touch on just a little bit of Summer League stuff before we, we wrap things up. Saturday in Summer League, the Celtics took the floor, got to see second-round pick Carson Edwards out of Purdue. And Carson Edwards, he came out firing. 20 points in 29 minutes, he hit five threes, and he was red-hot early. 10 points in the first quarter, proved he could be that scoring guard off the bench. That's something with the Celtics that I think cannot be really overlooked, is the fact that they're going to need someone on that second unit to be able to come in and get buckets. If there was a knock on Carson Edwards coming into the league, it wasn't that he can't score. Phenomenal shooter, phenomenal scorer. There are maybe some questions about his defense, but everything I've seen in terms of pre-draft interviews and pre-draft workouts, 
He was aware of the work he was going to have to put in, and he seems like a kind of young player who's willing to put in that work. If you're a Celtic fan, seeing Carson Edwards come out and just hit the ground running in the first summer league game of his young career, great start for that rookie. I think you could see him having a real solid year right away for the Boston Celtics. Another guard that could produce some scoring punch, Chris Clemens for the Rockets, scores 25 points in 25 minutes. Seven for three on three-pointers. Played his college ball at Campbell University. So you may not have heard a whole lot about him, but he is the third all-time leading scorer in Division I men's college basketball history. He had 14 in the first quarter, as Houston, quite frankly, was getting blown out by Dallas, but he was doing his part. What's the big issue here with Chris Clemens? He's only 5'9". 5'9", 180. He is built pretty solid for 5'9", but he's a little small. And they even said it on this Summer League broadcast. The big question was, is he going to be able to get his shot off over some bigger opponents? And what we saw that first night was, didn't have an issue scoring. He's also thick enough that if a slightly bigger guard tries to post him up, he's able to hold his own. Now, lengthwise, that's going to be a challenge for him if he goes against a longer guard. But just in terms of planting your feet and standing in front of his guy, he's able to take the pounding that comes when someone tries to post him up. I think there's a good shot that he shoots the three well enough to make it to training camp. They talked to Coach D'Antoni during one of the breaks there, and he basically said, hey, you know what we're looking for? We're looking for guys that can contribute on the team, and for us, that largely means can you shoot the three? And I think there's no question Chris Clemens can shoot the three. One of the other guys I was interested in this past weekend, Sunday night... On Sunday, a second-year player for the Charlotte Hornets, Miles Bridges. Sometimes I think second-year players get overlooked a little bit. We're so interested in the Tyler Heroes and the Zion Williamsons and the R.J. Barretts that we forget that there are second-year players playing in Summer League who are going to be poised to take that jump. And I think that's Miles Bridges. 23 points and 7 rebounds in just 31 minutes. Played just 21 minutes a game last season and only averaged 7.5 points. But without Kemba in Charlotte this season... I think there's an opportunity for Bridges to take a big step forward. The Hornets did bring in Terry Rozier, but I really like Miles Bridges' game. And I think this is the kind of stat line you'll see. Bridges isn't a guy to me who's going to drop 30 on you on a regular basis. But I think he could easily average between 16 and 19 points and get you in that 7-rebound range, kind of like what we saw in this Summer League game. I think that's the role Miles Bridges plays. And to be quite honest... I think Charlotte's going to be pretty bad this year. So I think there's going to be a lot of shots to go around, a lot of garbage time for him to kind of hone his craft, get better, and honestly, just get some garbage buckets. And that's maybe what he needs to kind of take that next level in his game. I like what Miles Bridges did on Sunday. Want to see more from him as Summer League continues. But good first step for that second-year player looking to really take on a larger role with Charlotte this year. Okay, that's going to pretty much do it for another layup episode of Beneath the Rim. Not a lot of Summer League talk tonight. Didn't expect this many big major trades and free agent signings and potential trades to sort of all lead into one another. So thought it was important to get to that. 
when we come back on Wednesday for our next layup episode, we will be sure to touch on more summer league games, tell you who's playing well, who's dropping off, and just keep tracking some of those guys who are trying to make their way to training camp and eventually make an NBA roster. Remember, if you like what you heard today, please give me a rating and a reviewing wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back on Wednesday for another Layup episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Kevin Kloss. We'll talk to you next time. Don't miss a moment of the action. Subscribe to Beneath the Rim for automatic delivery of new episodes in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm.